of our time in the Word this morning. So transition with me. It's always hard to transition out of that time together, but here we are. So I've noticed something as my family and I have gone on vacations. That kids these days really have it well for these long car rides. But there is a blessing for the parents too because when each person has headphones on, it's a lot quieter in the car. But I remember when I was younger and I was a kid having a lot more of a difficult time going on vacations because we didn't have the electronics. We didn't have the handheld devices and the DVD players in the car. We had to stick our head up against the window and look at the clouds and try to find pictures in the clouds or watch the trees and count and try to, you know, try to keep them uh, or find other ways of entertainment in the car. <laughs> Say what? Volkswagens. Volkswagens? Oh, yeah, punch buggies, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, you find all sorts of creative ways to entertain yourself when you don't have electronics. One of the ways that I found uh, was, uh, and I forgot to grab one from home, we have a few of these at home, and I meant to bring it to show it to you, but puzzle books, right? Giant book of puzzles, and it's got crosswords and word finds, and my wife is holding up run right now. Um, right, so uh, I love doing puzzles, Right? I like doing word finds and, and connect the dots and uh, was never good at crosswords. I just, there was something about the way they do uh, the clues that even today when I look at the paper and try to do the crossword, I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea what that clue means. I don't know, just not very good at it. Um, but, I, you know, you, there's mazes and all sorts of different things. I also liked, you know, uh, the Highlights magazine where they had the hidden pictures, right? I, I love the Highlight book. I like puzzles. And then somewhere around my teenage years, a new kind of puzzle came out that gained popularity that I really, really like to do, and that's called Sudoku, right? That's the 9x9 nine nine with the 9x9 nine nine squares on the inside and its new numbers. I really like Sudoku not going to talk about Sudoku this morning. I want to focus more on the connect the dots. You know, connect the dots puzzles, you know, you had this picture and they had all these dots on the page. And with the little kids ones, you know, sometimes you can go, you can pretty much guess what the picture was. But the harder the, the harder the puzzle, the more you had to really connect the dots before you actually saw what the picture really was. There's a similarity between our walk with Jesus and a connect-the-dot puzzle. I'm going to unpack that a little bit this morning as we study in Judges 13. And hopefully you'll see the connection that I'm making, the dot that I'm jumping to. So let's open our Bibles to Judges 13. We've been in Judges for quite some time. Uh, if you don't have your own Bible with you, there are Bibles in the room. Uh, please find one. With God's word open, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what you're already doing, what you've already done. We, we praise you. We thank you for the testimonies and, and opportunities to hear what you are doing. We praise you. 
for your faithfulness to us, Lord. As we come to your word this morning, Lord, I pray that uh, you would speak. Give us ears to hear. Give us a posture of receiving your word in a way that is not just information transfer, Lord, but that would be transformative, that we would be changed from the inside out. So, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified this morning through the preaching and teaching of your word and through the receiving and, uh, of your word as well. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as we've been studying through the book of Judges, we've, we've gotten through this cycle, right? You're probably tired of seeing this graphic, but it's the cycle that we see Israel where they, ha- they fall into apostasy, where they, they turn away from the Lord and they serve other gods and they forsake God even. Uh, and so they turn away from God, falling into apostasy, which then God allows them to do so, but then turns uh, them over to um, some you know, Canaanite tribe that, that conquers them and puts them into servitude. And we see that same cycle begin again this morning in, in uh, Judges 13. We see in verse 1, it says, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. The cycle continues. Israel continues to, to choose their own desires and not God's desires. And God gives them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. What's interesting to note here is that these Philistines were one of the people groups that they were originally supposed to kick out of town. Right? Philistines were part of the group of the, of the area that the Israelites were supposed to come in, conquer completely, and instead they settled with. And I think this is an important lesson for us in this opening verses here is that when we don't deal with the things that tempt us into sin, we only have to wait until we fall into sin. See, Israel was given the command to eradicate the Philistines and everybody else in, in the land of Canaan, and they didn't do so. And as, as such, because of that, they continued to pull Israel into their culture, pull Israel away from uh, Yahweh. And Israel didn't deal with that well. They said, oh, we kind of like that. And we can do the same things. We have sin struggles. We're human. But when we don't take the steps necessary to deal with the things that draw us into sin, those temptations, we're going to fall into them. And so we have to set up protections against those temptations. And Israel here continued to struggle in this way because they weren't taking care of the things that were tempting them into sin. In verses 2 through 7 here, we see a plan for Israel's salvation. You read along. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have, no, have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. 
For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, and for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God, very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. We see in this, this paragraph here, these verses, these five verses, a plan that God is putting into place. We see that an angel appears to the woman. We don't ever receive the name of this woman, but she's a faithful servant of the Lord. What we know from the, from the narrative here is that uh, she was barren, or in some translations would say sterile, same thing. They didn't have the ability back then to inject the woman to make her fertile, right? So she is literally barren. She's sterile, has no ability to conceive. And this angel of the Lord comes and says, I see that you are barren and sterile, but you're going to receive a baby. You're going to conceive. My friends, this is a miracle. It would have taken a miracle to do this. Because even the angel of the Lord admits and confesses to her that, yes, you are sterile. We see, and, and that she was seen in that. But he prophesies that she will conceive and bear a son. She also receives instructions. She's to drink no wine or strong drink. She's not to eat any unclean food. And that the child, when he's born, shall not cut his hair. Because the child shall be a Nazarite from the womb. Now, what's interesting here is that a Nazarite vow, uh, which is found in Numbers 6, uh, was, a, was a vow that men and or women could take that would set them apart to the Lord. But it was often their choice to take that vow. It, it, this is the only time that I'm aware of in Scripture where a baby is coming into the world with this vow on them. So it's a little unique in that regard. But the main points, of, you know, you can look in number six for this exact vow. But the main points are for the Nazarite vow was that there were to be no, they were to drink no wine or strong drink. They were not to have any grape products or products from the vine. And they were not to cut their hair. And they were not to contact anything dead. These were some of the main points of the vow that would set them apart to the Lord. And so she receives this, this prophecy that the baby that uh, would miraculously conceive inside of her would enter the world with this uh, vow upon him. I think it's also important for us to understand the language here, that the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. That stood out to me, especially with upcoming issues. And I've been convicted of late that uh, I've, t I've said before that I won't do any kind of preaching on politics, but when it comes to moral 
issues, I think the Bible is very clear. That which grows inside of a woman is a child. It is not a clump of cells. And God's own language in his word here says that this baby that would be in the womb would, is a child. Not only that, that this child has a plan and a purpose. And this particular case was to be a Nazarite set apart to God. And it's important for us to remember that every single baby, every single person has purpose in God's kingdom. All people have a purpose because we're created in his image. There's lots of teenagers today that struggle with that. They don't know their purpose. They feel lost and confused and, they, and, they, and they're seeking things in the world that are telling them that y- you can find your purpose in these things. Just adding more confusion. But my friends, God has created each one of us uniquely with a purpose. And it's our, our job, I believe, in the church when we make disciples to let them know that their purpose is to serve and glorify Jesus. And that can look like a lot of different things, but we have been created to worship God alone. Not only does she receive these instructions, she also receives a prophecy that he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And then we see she runs back to her husband, Manoah, and, and she, she proclaims everything that happened. She said, a man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. Now, what stood out to me when I did my study, that the word awesome in Hebrew is Yah-Reh, which is very similar to Yah-Weh. And Yah-Reh, awesome, means to fear, to revere, to be afraid, to stand in awe, to inspire reverence. All she notices about this man is he's very awesome. And she goes and reports to her husband everything that this, this man of God has said to her. In verses 8 to 14, we see that Manoah prays that God would send the man of God again. Starting in verse 8, we see that then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of the Lord came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So she ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life and what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink or eat anything unclean. 
All that I commanded her, let her observe. We see him pray out to God. And and it's very interesting if you look closely. In verse 8 it says, Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, all caps. That's Yahweh. And he said, O Lord, lowercase Lord. That's Adonai. Literally means Lord or my Lord. And it's usually used by a Jewish person in place of Yahweh as a, dis- as a display of reverence. So he used it, he, he, it, this text says that he prays to Yahweh, O Adonai, please let the man of God, which here is the Hebrew word Elohim, which means the true God, whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child. He is clearly crying out to the one true God and asking for him to send this man again so that he can find out what the plan is. Right? He calls out and prays for clarity on what to do with the boy. But what I wanted, what stood out to me was his faith. Right? He says, uh, send the man again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. That's, a, that's faith. He has nothing to go by except for his wife's word that this man said this to, to her, but he trusts her. And he trusts that what, she, what has been shared with her came from the Lord, and he's got faith. Now, part of this could be just his desire for a son, but I think it's an example of his faith in the prophecy, in the, in the, the promise from this man. He says, teach us so that he will teach us what to do with the child when he will be born. That's faith. So the angel of the Lord appears again. The woman's by herself. He appears to the woman and runs home and grabs her husband. Says, he's here. He's back. And he gets up and he goes right away. And he asks this man for the details of the life of the child and his mission. He's looking to know what the plan is. He's looking to know what what the, the purpose of the boy's life is going to be. He wants to know what his life is going to look like down the road. And I think for us, we often feel the same way. Lord, I want to know. I want to know what's coming. I want to know what's next. I want to know beyond three steps down the road. And like Manoah, we could, we could have this same desire to say, Lord, I, I, I want to know the mission. I want, I want to know what's next. I want to know what's after that. And I want to know what's after that. And I want to know what's at the end. I want to know what the dot-to-dot picture looks like without connecting all the dots first. But notice how the angel of the Lord responds. He says, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. He doesn't spell out the mission. He just says, you don't need to know the mission. You don't need to know the plan. You don't need to know the fullness of it. Just trust. What has been provided, rest in and do 
as has been commanded. And so verses 15 through 20, Manoah says to the angel of the Lord, he says, please let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, if you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. To this point, like Manoah still doesn't realize that this is God's angel, that this is even God himself, spoiler alert, right? He just thinks this is a man of God, he, he, that, that God is using this man to, to prophesy and, and to proclaim something great. He has no clue this is God himself. And so he invites him to a supper. He, he says, let us, let us have you over for dinner because this is awesome. I'm so glad about this news. And he offers him a hot meal. And the angel declines and suggests instead to make a burnt offering to the Lord. And so, verse 17, Manoah says to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? So that when your words come true, again, faith, when your words come true, not if they come true, but when they come true, we may honor you. He wants to know the, the man's name so that when the prophecy comes, he can, he can say, this guy said this was going to happen and it did. To give him glory, to give him honor. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? What is your name, so that when your words come true, we may honor you? Isaiah 9.6 reads, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The angel of the Lord says, why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? This is Jesus himself. And so, Manoah then makes the offering on a stone, and the flame went upward, and the angel disappears. And that's when, God, that's when Manoah's eyes were opened to the reality that God himself was, in fact, this man. And he, he panics because he goes, oh, no, we're going to die because no man can see God and live. And so they fell on their faces to the ground. We see God's grace to Manoah in verses 21 through 25. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die for we have seen God. Now this is interesting because uh, what stood out to me when I was studying this is that, you know, Gideon, Gideon saw, uh, had an encounter with God and lived. We know that Jacob wrestled with God and lived. And I just, 
And then Jesus, God himself incarnate, was seen by many, many people. And though we have scripture, you know, with Moses and, and with God speaking to Moses saying that you cannot see my glory because nobody can see my fullness and live. God can do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> we, we clearly see that God can and does reveal himself to anyone he chooses to. It's his prerogative because he's God alone. You know, there's, it's very interesting because there are testimonies coming out of the Middle East in Muslim countries where Muslims are having dreams about Jesus. They don't know who Jesus is, but Jesus is coming to them in dreams and, and making himself known, and they wake up going, i got to find out more about Jesus. And they go find churches if they can. Jesus makes himself known to who he will. It's his prerogative. We also see here the wisdom of a godly wife. Men, aren't we so thankful for our wives who keep us in check graciously, lovingly? She says, if the Lord meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands or shown us all these things or announced to us such things as these. Sometimes I need my wife to, to bring me back to earth sometimes, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for her wisdom. It goes back to that helper mentality, right? That God knew it was not good for man to be alone, so he created a helper fit for him. Not because she's less than, but because he knew we needed our wives. And that when, when God's design works the way he designed it to, it's beautiful and powerful. Sometimes, I admit, I forget to thank my wife and men, we need to do better, myself too. Because God has given us a helper in many, many ways. We see here at the end here that, a, that the, the child is born. It says uh, in verse 24, And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanadan, between Zorah and Eshtel. A son is born, Samson, the twelfth and last judge. Now, started with puzzles. Our walk with Jesus is sort of like a dot-to-dot -dot puzzle. Go with me. Metaphors all fall short. Okay, I get it. There's no perfect metaphor. But the reality is, God gives us pieces of his plan, piece by piece. He doesn't give us the full picture. He just gives us one, the next step after the next step, and it's kind of like a dot-to-dot -dot puzzle. And by faith, we must follow him even when we don't know exactly where it is going to take us. We don't get to see the full picture with all the details. We don't get to know the full plan. 
but by faith we must follow him anyway and trust that his goodness and who he is who he is. I'd like to share just a little story with you real quick about what I mean. So it's hard to believe that at the end of this month I'll be finishing two years of serving here at Coshocton Alliance Church. Thank you. But my story of coming here began a year before that. So three years ago, while I was serving in my previous church, God laid something on my heart. Uh, He revealed something was coming. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to, to correctly what the right language would be. But all I knew was in my soul, change was coming. I didn't know what that meant. Stowe was home for us. We grew up in that area. Stowe was home. We were serving in our home city. And we enjoyed Stowe. We liked living there. It didn't make sense that change would be coming. But I submitted to the process and say, okay, Lord, change is coming. What does that mean? Does it mean you're calling us to the mission field? And so I would place that before him, and I would, I would pray over that, and, and I would ask him, you know, to give me clarity on that, and that door closed. That wasn't what he was ask, asking us to do. I said, okay, are you calling us to church planting? So I'd submit that to the Lord in a humble posture and say, okay, Lord, if, that's really hard. If you're calling us to church planting, that's, there's some desperate dependence on you for that because I don't know what that looks like. And so with open hands, I just said, okay, Lord, like, what does this look like? He closed that door. It wasn't church planning. All the while, staying faithful to the calling he had me at, and in this, we were in pastoral transition at our previous church, and I was preaching more and more and more than I ever had in the past. And I started having, uh, as Pastor Don shared a few weeks back, I had people at our church saying, wow, you... You should be our next senior pastor. I'm like, ooh, I don't know if that, I don't know that I want that, you know, like, but okay, Lord, is, is that what you're asking? And the answer was no, at least not for Stowe. All I knew was change was coming. I didn't know the plan, I didn't know what the fulfillment of that was going to be, but he did. And he knew that that was going to be a change for our family to move here and to serve with all of you. And I'm grateful for that plan. I'm grateful because I had never heard of Coshocton before. (laughs) And I've loved getting to know this place and and the people and all of you. Um, But had I known the difficulties that would have come with change, I might have really struggled with that a lot more Because moving from everything and everyone you've ever known is really, really hard. So God just said, change is coming. And I trusted that. See, God is far greater than anything or anyone we can imagine. He can do far more than we can ever think. And he is far more gracious than we can ever understand. Read that again. 
God is far greater than anything or anyone we can imagine. Too often times, and I've, I've been guilty of this in my past, where I've placed God in a box of understanding. And I've limited what he could do in my life. God doesn't fit in any box we can create. He's far greater and bigger than anything we can imagine. Wouldn't it be God to serve otherwise? He can do far more than we can ever think or imagine. Sometimes we, we, we limit what his power can do because we can't imagine it. Here God miraculously takes a woman who was barren and sterile and provides a miracle for her to be able to have a son who God had a plan for. And God is far more gracious than we could ever understand. And I am still, till, till Christ comes home or call, you know, calls me home, till Christ comes back or calls me home, that's the right language, I still think I will continue to struggle to understand and comprehend the fullness of God's grace for me. Because we can't comprehend it. I'd like to read, as we close, Psalm 139. This is of David. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. At your right hand shall hold me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame is not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. O oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with mal malicious intent. Your enemy takes your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? 
I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a God I want to serve. Would you pray with me as we close our time in the word? Lord, we're thankful for your word. We thank you for how you speak to us through your word. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you and all that we've done this morning, Lord. We pray for this week with the fair, Lord, that we would be kingdom-minded, that we would make your presence here in Coshocton County known, that you are far greater than anything we could imagine, that you are God alone, and that you have a purpose for each person here. Help us to glorify you in all of our interactions this week. Help us to point to you the way, the life, the truth. So that you would receive all the honor and glory. It's in your name I pray. Amen.